0: Yeah, winter is officially
1: here. It's actually it, it, happening. It's, it's making an appearance, which is nice. Which if is we nice. hadn't
0: had it before, it's kind of finally feeling like winter, which is yeah. good. But it still feels too warm to me. I agree. I, I drove, Feels like it's going to melt. We're in the starting next few the podcast days.
1: by talking about the weather. This this does not bode well. But <laughs> yes. but the point <laughs> nice. is, I drove front wheel drive Mini today in a genuine snowstorm, and how was I, it? I, you know what? T- two thoughts at once, and they're going to seem conflicting. But here is the thought. The mini's actually great in the snow. It genuinely is. It is. I've driven it down the hill. And times. yet, I miss uh, rear wheel drive. Funny, yeah. I think and I prefer. Funny. If I'm not going to have all wheel drive, I think I prefer rear wheel drive in the snow with snow tires. Sure. Because I like. Because the, here, here's the reason you like catching it. Well, I, I like the fact that I can rotate the car Feeling with the it. throttle, yeah. Yeah. versus just understeer the car with too much throttle. Sure. That's the difference. I can see that because the, the, the by separating what the wheels are doing. You can get rotation when you want it. Yeah. Whereas it, what you have to do, I mean, it's, it's, it's. Remember the uh, the skid car that we did on a couple of oh, our yeah. videos. It's oh, that yeah. idea. Sure. Understeer sure. is boring to catch. Oversteer is a riot. <laughs> it's that. Yeah, it's it that is. idea. It is. And I've taken to for fun. This is my stupid fun now. I've taken to turning into corners like. Way too early, like two car lengths too early in the snow. I'll just, <laughs> just I'll to crank, try. I'll crank the wheel because I because I've learned the slide. I'll crank the wheel, and there's enough slide that I miss the apex and slide perfectly into my lane on the other side. I'm managing understeer. And don't get me wrong, <laughs> it's funny. it's very fun. It works great. I have no complaints with it. I sawed through like six or seven new inches of snow on my driveway tonight, like it was nothing. Nice. So yeah, nice. no complaints. Good. Good. I'm just realizing, fun factor wise, who knew I'd come to this conclusion? Fun factor wise, rear wheel drive in the snow, I would prefer. Prefer, hey, there's nothing wrong drive with any time. Well, yes, but it's, but, been, but it's interesting to yeah. discover because, as we've talked about on these pieces, everyone says if you don't have all-wheel drive in the snow, you're going to die. That's a myth.
0: V- yes, that's, and then the,
1: the the thing right behind that is if happen. you can't have all-wheel drive, then please, please, whatever you do, get front-wheel drive. Uh, that's what. Sure. Uh, that's what people. No, I'm sure. saying that that's the the kind of general commentary, that, that's the common thought, and I yes. don't agree. But anyway, <laughs> there it is.
0: But. All that thinking doesn't come from the standpoint of fun. It's more true, fun to
1: true. do rear-wheel drive. Okay, fair tires, point. Fair point. Tires. You're right. It, hey, it, fun, fun driving is why we're here. So thanks for being with exactly. us. Exactly.
0: Guys, thank you so much for being with us. We have a lot to talk about, lots to cover. And uh, first off, we'll start again with our sponsors for Velocity Channel this Saturday, January 27th. So this is the Mustang
1: GT350R mm-hmm. and the Camaro ZL1. And it's tomorrow. That's it's right. tomorrow morning. That's right. Which Saturday is the 27th. And that one, if you need a wake up, if you're like me and you don't drink coffee, just get up. And you want to get up early. I'm not saying you should. But if you want to get up early, then you know what? You don't need coffee because that one's loud. It's so, it's great. That, that'll wake you up.
0: Yeah. It's going to be fun. So those sponsors are Covercraft, Griot's Garage, and Auto Tempest. We couldn't do it without them, it's true. honestly. It's very true. We're thrilled to have them on board. So thanks to all of them. Yeah. And uh, you can get 10% if you use the code EVERYDAY off of SHIPPING. From Covercraft. Well, you,
1: no, it, it's two different things. It's ten percent right? off your order from Griot's, and it's free shipping from Covercraft. Free shipping, that's right. Ten percent the off same order. Same code both places, right? Right, which is great. Day.
0: Which hey, maybe the code will be used every sponsor we get.
1: That'd be great. Hey, I, that's the thing we're fighting for, so that you can don't have to remember a bunch of codes. It is the same thing both places, which is helpful.
0: Yeah, that's right. Well, we've also heard uh, switching gears a little bit uh, about the Focus RS head gasket fix, is now been announced
1: by Ford. You're talking about the Focus uh, RS IMS issue. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> their it, personal it, IMS it, issue. <laughs> which, which their
0: own personal IMS, the, the uh, you thing, know what? The
1: thing that apparently is going to grenade on every one of these cars.
0: Well. Maybe. They are talking about the program covering all Focus RS vehicles built between August 3, 2015 and July sixth, 2017, Actually, a few of you have written in. As a matter of fact, one of our debates tonight, we've got Alex, who shares a Focus RS with a friend of his, Mm -hmm. and he's had the head gasket repaired at Mm -hmm. 14,000 miles. Even with the bolt-ons, all the tuning stuff that they did, we'll get to that. But it doesn't cover repairs that you've already done, unfortunately. Mm, mm. So you can't go backwards. It's only if it rears its ugly head. But apparently this is now a thing. Well,
1: it, it's definitely an issue.
0: They had to go through all their legal, what are we are and are not going to provide. And then what is it going to be? What is the extent of the program mm, before mm-hmm. they could release anything? Because if they had just rushed the solve out without Fair. actually Fair. thinking it through first... That would have actually been worse than just, you know, not yeah. admitting in the first place. But and they, they had to think it through first. And there's
1: some really good – There's some you can, you can search for them. There's some really good write-ups about the issue. I'm not going to claim to be an expert. There's a couple of you that follow the show that have written in about your experiences and kind of walking us through the fact that this is happening on some of the cars. So it does mm-hmm, exist. Yeah. It apparently is in a stretch of the early cars, and the the discussion is that the wrong head gasket was most likely used. So they're doing wow. a head gasket fix. Yeah. The reasons will probably never be known. But, you know, because sure. this, yeah. the, the block guess. is we shared with the EcoBoost Mustang. Could yeah. it have been that head gasket? There's a bunch of theories. There's actually a couple of really good write-ups. I think one of them is Road and Track. A couple mm-hmm. of really good write-ups yeah. about it. But the, but the conclusion is, as much as it sucks, they are solving it. Which is good. And they know what the solve is, and they know what the problem is. So if you have one of these cars, we hope you get it fixed. I'm going to come back to the IMS joke, because the point here is it doesn't make these cars things to avoid. No,
0: although I will say I think it's affecting more Focus RSs than the IMS bearing ever did for Porsches. I don't know that that's true. I I can't verify that, but I feel like there's been so many of them that, you know, coming out with this. Because to my knowledge, Porsche has said, all right, yes, there was a class action for the IMS as well. But it just seems like more independent shops will now take care of it rather than Porsche going, all right, we'll replace engines. We'll do it for you. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, we could debate that all day long but we won't we hope you get to focus <laughs> there on are other fixed. things to do yes there are as a matter of fact you brought up a good point about the uh the recent autonomous quote unquote crash yes with a Tesla Model
1: S I don't know you guys if you guys have seen this a a Model S that the owner driver said was on autopilot at the time rammed its way into the back of a fire truck parked on the side of the 405 freeway in Los Angeles now let me unpack that scenario real quick First off, the 405 is rarely fast. Secondly, the 405 always has something weird going on on it. (laughs) Thirdly, short of probably San Francisco, I bet you Los Angeles is the most traveled Tesla autopilot destination in the world. Absolutely, and which all means of the these, data is harvested that's the thing. constantly that's from the that thing. stretch of road. These systems are constantly learning, constantly learning anomalies. They know how to do it. If you've been running autopilot on your Model S on the 405, it's probably been about a, as bulletproof as possible. So all of this, and please, please follow along, because where I'm headed here is not Tesla-specific. This is not a discussion of Tesla. This is a discussion of autonomy. We've talked about it a few mm, times on this yeah. podcast, and you and I have argued it's not nearly as close as we think. We've also talked about the fact that Because we're kind of at level two, which is Mm semi-autonomous, it's a weird place for humans to be because we think it's out of our hands, but it's not really. It's only out of our hands until the machine gives up. In the case of this fire truck, Volvo actually has a system just like Tesla in this regard. Mm -hmm. These radar-based systems essentially wouldn't go anywhere. Like wouldn't be able to drive the car if they weren't told, by the way, the stationary stuff, you don't have to worry about. Crazy, crazy. So yeah. th- because otherwise they'd be freaked out by freeway signs and random things and, oh, I see a light pole and it would just, it would pull the car to a stop. So they kind of have to filter out, for Like a better way to put it, they have to filter out the stationary stuff on a road. So the scenario that – actually, I was reading a great article on Wired about it. The scenario that they discuss is – I'm sure every one of you listening has had this happen. You're you're following along in a line of cars. It's traffic, and you're not sure why. And why are we going slow, and I can't see a problem? And all of a sudden, the car in front of you peels to the side, and there's a car stopped dead in your lane. Mm
2: -hmm. And you have to swerve around. We've all
1: had that experience. If you were on – not Tesla. I'm talking anybody. Volvo, Mercedes, any of these semi-autonomous systems. The stage they're at right now, if you were in that scenario in an autopilot car, it would hit that stationary car. Yeah. Because it's designed it's looking to. looking at the radar of all the moving objects to make sure it doesn't hit them. That's how this happened. My only mm-hmm. point here is this is a cautionary tale for where the systems really are, not a cautionary tale about any of the cars. It just happened to happen to a Tesla.
0: I'm fascinated by this, and I will say it's going to be a long time before we can fully put all of our trust in it. And it's so funny because a lot of the folks we talk to think it's here or kind of feel like it's here and speak in terms of, yeah, and you can just, if you buy a Tesla, you're good. You can just, it's all autonomous. You can just go wherever you want. And, you know, you just have to back up and slowly approach the situation and say, No, because Mm, mm. as much as we want it to be as cool as it sounds and as useful as it will be for, I mean, just one scenario is folks who aren't able to drive. Sure. Can now go address to address. That's huge. Absolutely. In order to take buses or transportation or the time to do that. That's amazing. Just that one Mm -hmm. aspect alone, not to mention commutes, the train, you know, the hundred mile an hour cars all linking together, you know, traffic elimination problems, theoretically, all this kind of stuff. We want it to be here. But it just isn't. And people have really forgotten that. And I think specifically Tesla owners, although I'm not blaming Tesla. I'm blaming that sort of thinking, but, hey, I've got the latest tech. I've got the latest
1: iPhone 10. It should do everything, right?
0: The, There's going to be an yeah. 11 after
1: that. It's the human false sense of security. That's the problem here. And you mm-hmm. and I have done the autopilot system. And it is incredibly impressive. It's very, very impressive. Yeah. And if you were doing that every day on your commute, especially in a place like L.A., you would very easily be lulled into a false sense of security of the car just has it. Why would there be a problem? Because nine times out of ten on on whoever, wherever you're listening right now, whatever commute you do, nine times out of ten, nothing out of the ordinary will happen on your commute. And yeah. so you, yeah, as a enough. human, fair are enough. kind of on autopilot. You just you turn left here, and you avoid that person there. And, oh, look, there's, yeah. the, there's the trash truck I've, that comes every Tuesday. You, it, I remember when, there, I, done that, yeah. when I commuted in L.A., there would be some days I'd be halfway through my commute and realize I didn't process the last— 15 minutes.
0: Oh, when you're fatigued, you don't remember what happened, but you're you're on autopilot. You remember the turns. You don't know yeah. the street names. You just so, remember the turns. That's
1: where it gets worse here is yeah. because you start to believe the system's got it because what weird thing could go on and now, uh-oh, there's a fire truck stopped. There's no reason for that owner to think this would be a problem. Why wouldn't the autopilot see it? Well, there mm-hmm. you go. Which, you know what? I just now thought of this. That relates back to... The Model S accident that happened, where they went underneath a tractor trailer, mm-hmm. it's a yeah. similar idea because from the from not only was the side of that truck white, which had the gave the radar problems in seeing it, but from the car's perspective, that's a stationary object. It was broadside to the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. Same problem there. This is It's the anomalies that the systems can't handle yet. And that's the stuff that we as humans aren't ready to just suddenly go, oh, yeah, I got this, because the system's got us, it's so why pay attention? scary to think. But, yeah.
0: you know, what bugs me is the driver was looking down. Because if the driver hadn't been looking down and looking ahead and just still kind of still being in somewhat of control, they would have seen this coming. Yes. Instead of just... Giving up all control and just, you know what? As you said, the car's got this. Mm -hmm. I'm fine because the systems just aren't there yet. And I've seen debates about what level of autonomy people are actually looking at the car and saying, okay, that doesn't have the latest gen that now can do this, this, and this. Mm -hmm. Well, it's still coming. And what also just I, I have to laugh about is there's so many companies now that are all in the Bay Area, most of Mm -hmm, them are, mm -hmm. that are either inventing the LiDAR systems for companies to buy or they've branched out on their own and we're going to do this better. sfmotors.com is a great example here. A new generation of smart, clean, connected electric vehicles. Well, Tesla's actually selling cars right now. You you know, they're actually doing They've done it, yeah. You're saying, oh, it's coming, we're going to do it better. No, you're not. It's going to be like everybody else. (laughs) Sorry, everybody's well, going to use the same AI, or yeah. you're going to buy the Nvidia stuff, the the Drive PX systems, or you're going to, you know, approach it the same. There's so many companies. There's like 300 companies approaching this, saying, "Oh my God, we're taking a different approach. We're doing it better." To Tesla's credit. They're actually doing it right now.
1: And you know what? Also, to Tesla's credit, and as a cautionary tale to everybody else, Tesla's doing it, and yet they are fraught with problems. Yeah. Because they've jumped out of software world into manufacturing and volume manufacturing of an item that actually has to have safety concern instead of being data. And look at all of the hurdles. I'm not saying they can't surmount them. I'm not saying they aren't surmounting some of them already, but... The difference between a General Motors who has made a product for a 100 years and a startup who goes, we're going to make a car, there's a chasm there. Oh, my God! And Tesla represents the middle ground. And look at the pros and cons of that reality. I'm not saying I don't
0: wish for this kind of innovation. That's not what I'm saying. And if you work for SoCon Motors… Wonderful. I I say bring it. And, you know, you're using your expertise to further this and, you know, build great systems. Whatever company that is, I'm not saying that at all, but I'm just kind of amused by the whole, we're branching off. You know, we kind of worked at Faraday or we worked at Tesla (laughs) and we're going to branch off and form our own company because we can do it better, faster, smarter. You know, insert Mm a verb or a noun here, whatever that is, adjective. And I just... I'm I'm kind of going, all right, you know, Tesla's over here actually doing it. And you say you are, but, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of these teething problems in well, the future. Yeah. I think this is just the cusp of the kinds of crashes like this. I don't wish for any injury, human injury, but I think there's a lot more coming. Oh, because people right. are going to continue to trust this. Oh, we're at three level three. Oh, we must yeah. have arrived at the pinnacle. I can just well, hop in the car. And we'll but take you the know the what? Honestly,
1: you or me or anyone we know, anyone listening. it concerns me. I honestly. bet you. Honestly, put any of us in a car like this and have us commute for a full week on autopilot, and everything goes smoothly. And in week two, we'd be looking down at our phone. Probably. I, I, because this is the problem. We're at this transition point where the car gives up when it's hard mm -hmm. and, and, but yet we as humans go, oh, I mean, think about how differently you ride on a commute as a passenger than you do as a driver. Totally. And if the if the driver, God forbid, if the driver suddenly had a catastrophic accident and passed out at the wheel, could you even recover that scenario? Mm -hmm. And that's human, human. Yeah. I mean, and I'm
0: also not saying that we're immune to this by any stretch. No, no, no. I've noticed my own self. I'm speaking about me now. When I'm on the on on the phone, hands-free, on Bluetooth, sure. and say I'm talking to you or somebody else, I notice that my driving skills get worse. And I'm on Bluetooth, hands-free, both hands on the You've wheel. You've got a divided attention. I have to force yeah. myself to look over my shoulder changing lanes, and I have to... You know, actually be aware because my mind drifts.
1: You've got and attention divided,
0: yeah. Totally. And I'm, I'm noting, like, wow, I don't actually remember the last five and a half minutes of driving. How did I get here? Yeah. I've been on the phone. Mm-hmm. And that's hands-free. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Not to mention all this stuff coming. So I am in no way immune to all of this no, as well. No, none of us just, are. You know, I think we're more aware of it, and we definitely talk and think about it, you know, certainly a lot more. But yeah, I, I think it's very intriguing. I just think we're going to see a lot more of this, unfortunately and it's it's not unique. I hate to say yeah. that but these kinds of accidents aren't
1: going to be unique. And in a weird way I find it fascinating to to read about these I mean I'm glad nobody was injured in this scenario. I find it fascinating to read about these clash of the two cultures, the non smart vehicle, the dumb vehicle if you will and the almost smart vehicle, and the human humans caught in the middle. I just am fascinated mm-hmm. by that place. It's that transition point that is so dangerous, but so fascinating. And a half hour later, all we've done is talk about <laughs> autonomous cars, or almost <laughs> autonomous cars. We do have two car debates coming up. We have Ale- Alex coming up first. He's writing to us from Chicago. And uh, we also have uh, Bradley and his wife writing to us from uh, very snowy Buffalo, New York, plus a bunch of your questions. That'll be after the break. But right now, let's get into the car debate for Alex.
0: Yeah, as Todd said, he's uh, in Chicago, moving to Fort Collins, Colorado. My my hometown where I grew up, and uh good to hear so actually his ex and kids, three of his kids are moving to fort collins he's going to be in illinois and he's going to be driving back and forth mm-hmm. so he 's got specific Commute needs the mm-hmm. Illinois to Colorado and back to Illinois kinds of commute needs. Massive, yeah. So this is interesting. And Alex, uh, he was in Salt Lake, as a matter of fact, about three years ago now, something like that. Been a couple of years for sure. Yeah. And we actually met him. So Alex, hello, glad that you're writing in. Uh, he's actually coming back for the RS Adrenaline Academy, which will be great. And uh, it's rare that we get. Such an open book. And that is in terms of such an open order form, I guess. He's actually kind of saying, I'm kind of up for whatever brand. Mm -hmm. I'm up for manual Mm -hmm. or automatic. I'm up for a car, a sedan, a truck. The biggest requirement about everything that he's talking about here for commuting on long drives is
1: miles per gallon. It's...
0: And, gas. and
1: and comfort space too. Comfort space is definitely a Alex up there. is a big guy. He wants definitely. to be able to haul himself, kids, gear, but it needs to be good gas mouse because we're talking about half the country he's gonna be sawing through. Yeah. And he currently has an O seven Toyota Prius that he despises, but it is just a just lug-around-Chicago commute car, about 200,000 miles on this car. He absolutely hates to be beyond kind of bumper-to-bumper freeway speeds because once you get up to actual freeway speeds, he hates it. So that car is completely out for the commute. I mean, Sorry, for the long road trips. It's just a commute car. Plus, it sounds like he'd kind of like to give that a Viking burial. But anyway, so there's that. And Mm -hmm. he shares a Focus RS brand-new one with a friend. And, of course, you mentioned at the top of the podcast, he's one of the people that had to deal with his head gasket issue. So their car did have it. Uh, so he has this RS that he shares with a friend that they use to hoon. So we're we're talking about a car. I, I kind of get the vibe that the Prius might go. But for sure, we're not having to worry yeah, about the car we're looking for be a super fun car. It needs to be comfortable, good miles per gallon, a road sawing vehicle. I didn't know Prius could go 109 miles an hour, Alex. I thought that was like... He's, you have
0: to push him off a cliff or tow him with a Bell Jet Ranger or maybe something. Maybe it's
1: downhill and Chicago wind, but he's discovered that that apparently is the consistent top speed of his Prius. So kudos to you. <laughs> I'm actually kind of terrified at that thought, but there you go. Yikes! All right, so yeah, the Focus RS sounds
0: great. That's the fun car. So we've at least got that out of the way. But I'm just fascinated by such the laundry list and ideas. He's kind of all over the map, mm-hmm. and turning to mm-hmm. us to say, guys, what is going to be pleasurable to drive for long commutes? What podcast are you going to be listening to on your commutes, Alex? Just yeah. curious. Uh, so he's actually got a lot, a lot of cars here to talk about. The top of his list here is actually the Volt. He's talking about this and really asking. How would this car do? How big is it? Could it take the family? Yeah. I'm curious
1: about this. I'm curious to kind of dice that up a little bit. I think it's too small. Do you? I think it's too. And I like the Volt. I do. I, I know, we talked it's about right it before. it's right on the cusp. I, I think it's probably too small, I think, for what he's wanting. Three kids, gear, cross-country road trip. I mean, look, it's going to do well on miles per gallon. I think it's going to be better to drive uh, at, at high speeds and long-distance touring than the Prius. Clearly, that's a low bar. But, um, <laughs> but I no actually bar. think I, I have I have two here. I have a kind of usual suspect followed by an, I almost went with a sniper shot here. Did I think you? I've got, I think I've got the car. I'm for Alex. Curious. I'm
0: very curious. All right. So his budget here is about forty thousand new. Mm-hmm. Of course, he would love to get lower than that. Thirty thousand if we're buying used, maybe twenty. He'd consider that. The twist is also he would consider higher miles per gallon or or lower miles per gallon, spending more on gas mm-hmm. if. He spent less money on the car, so sure, the he'd accept there. under thirty. He's talking about the thirty range, mm-hmm. right around thirty miles per gallon, as kind of the holy grail, somewhere mm-hmm. in there. Uh, and I think he'd he'd go lower if we found a car for him that was used, something like that. But interestingly, I only
1: looked at new cars. Did you? Yeah. Did you? I I have I have cars that. You could get them new or used, two or three years old. You could just kind of have your pick and try to find the one that's right for you, but I'm underneath this budget either way. I have one I think that's on your list that you definitely need to seriously consider is the Honda Accord mm-hmm. yeah. because yeah. you can get it as an auto. You can also get it as a stick. If you decide you want to have a little bit of enthusi- enthusiast driving in your daily car and you want a stick shift, you can get that Accord. V6 with a stick shift, that gets the low 30s miles per gallon on the highway hmm yeah uh, which is actually great which is pretty good yeah. which is pretty good yeah. now you could go four-cylinder and get a little better if you got into the highway cruising but you might not enjoy that as much so figure out the combination of stick shift and engine that you like the most chase your miles per gallon there i think the honda accord is a really good prospect here i think it's also a good size good size for gear and kids and long distance touring i really like that but it's not my my favorite Okay. I, again, I had an almost sniper shot, and really? I was like this, I need to broaden out. Is this the
0: car now? You're you're considering the Accord.
1: I think you're acknowledging it. I think the Accord's strong because he mentions the Accord. He mentions the Passat diesel. He mentions the Sportwagon diesel because he's essentially saying I could find deals on those post uh, uh, diesel well, gate cars. Yeah, you could. I just I don't know. I, I don't know. I I don't know that I recommend that. The Volt I like, but I think it's a little small. New Camry hybrid. But you're kind of in the, the better, nicer Prius, aren't you? Really? I mean, aren't you – didn't you just kind of trade tech and just go a little – You traded I kind of some think, different no. lines on the car is what you did. I mean, it it is a nicer all-around car than the Prius, no. and it's Prius tech. Yeah. But yeah. I, I kind of want to get you away from that since you're not liking the Prius. My favorite here okay. gets mid to high 30s miles per gallon. Wow. It's a good-sized car. It's Honda Accord-sized. Okay. Great styling. Good space. Mazda 6, my friend. You get a brand new one in the low 30s. Trick it out like you want it. Mazda 6, drive cross-country in that. I, I had, I, I, Once I landed on that, I was like, I think I'm done.
0: <laughs> well, Alex, I so badly wanted you to be in a Kia Stinger. I can't <laughs> even tell you. I see that. I wanted you to be in this car because I went hunting and when you pull up Kia USA and you're looking at everything of course you're you're, did. Oh, I I went hunting. I was very curious. I've got everything pulled up because you can get them, you know, all side by side. Starting with the 2 liter, the MSRP is $31.9. Of course, the GT2 flavor goes up to 50 grand of course fully it does. loaded. But the uh the horsepower even for the 2 liter is 255. That's not bad. The problem is combined MPG is about 29. Okay. So, for a new car, if you're spending even, hmm. let's say, the premium, which is one level above the two liters. So, that's sort of the, you know. The mid-grade. It's, well, it's approaching mid-grade. It's okay. not quite there yet. But premium, it's still good. Still got the 255 horsepower engine. Good torque. 29 miles a gallon combined. Mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. car size is excellent.
1: It's, it's actually bigger than the six. It's really good. For what you yeah.
0: need. And it's got that four-cylinder engine. So, twin, skull, turbocharged, all that stuff. I would love it if you were in this car. Interestingly, mm. these lower two versions offer very few color choices. Mm. You don't get the red color until you get to the
1: GT. Mm. Interesting to me. Honestly, I think from an enthusiast's perspective, you've got the better call. It's not quite as good a miles per gallon, but I think it's the more interesting call. I, I have to give you that for sure. I
0: would love it if you could, Alex. And Like I said, I'm weighing the the new car, and especially if you look at all the flavors of the Stinger here, you're going to you know, start drifting and going, eh, yeah, I want more. but the, the You're th- looking at the Stinger
1: and you start drifting. <laughs> I like this. This, this is, is exactly right.
0: how it happens. Yeah, look at the Stinger. Anyway, so these uh, the two liter and the premium are the cars with the four-cylinder engine. And I think you could do really well. It's just, could you do 29? Mm-hmm. I bet you could squeeze 30, 31, depending. Maybe. I, yeah, that's the car I would love for you to have. I am acknowledging the Honda Accord as well. And I do love your Mazda 6, especially they've got the 2017.5 version for sale. The 2018 has not yet hit dealerships. Mm -hmm. As of this podcast recording, I actually like the interior of the 2017.5 car better. The 2018 has changed. It's almost in the direction of the Tesla Model 3. It's a very very cleaned up oh, instrument they're going, panel. They're kind of hyper modern screen and, yeah, dominated. Interesting. The the HVAC controls are real low, but I think the the visual interest to the prior car, mm, which is still mm. brand new, I think actually is better in my opinion. I I just I like looking at it. I like you know sort of imagining myself being in that cockpit a mm. little bit better and I thought, well, there's more visual interest going on. I thought but the 2018 of course updated styling it really has that great corporate look. So if yeah. you can hang on. I say definitely do the 2018, but shoot, you know, the, the prior gens are not
1: bad either. Get one that's 6 months old. You oh, have most yeah. of your warranty left. I do also have another one that's striking me as we're talking. Okay. That's in that almost category because it because really the one the way you want it is probably going to be 45. Okay. You could look at a Julia you could. You could look could. at one of the base levels of the Julia. Now, the miles per gallon aren't going to be killer, but you are in a Julia now. I'm I feel just like saying. the
0: price is, I mean, it's going to be price is well the problem above
1: Well, that's the thing. They pretty much start at 40. Yeah. So by the time you really get one, what is that, 45, 47, by the time you yeah. really get one? So I think it's probably out. I don't really think it's a contender, but it's it's just close enough that it kind of teases me in this discussion, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I like the Stinger idea a lot, actually. That is the perfect car.
0: It just seems like it fits. The size is bigger. Because mm-hmm. everybody's now so concerned, you know, ooh, the Stinger's a little too big. It fits perfectly in this situation. Mm-hmm. Plenty of space. Gorgeous, brand new, all that stuff. So the Mazda 6 actually gets better MPG.
1: It does. No, it's it's and a, it's
0: still plenty of room. It's yeah. still gorgeous. Yeah. But I yeah, I think those are your two contenders. You got some driving to do, some For sure. test driving to do. Well, Alex, thank you so much. If you guys have your own debate or you just want to say hello and drop us a line, that is everydaydrivertv at gmail.com or on the website, everydaydriver.com. Love to hear from you. Love to to uh, read your debate. For the, sure. The uh, less than two scroll debate.
1: Well, hopefully with paragraph breaks. Actually, yes. but, but we do still read them all. Even yeah. if we don't cover them yeah. all. We read them all. We try to group them. So thank you all of you that are writing. And we really appreciate it.
0: Yep. Guys, we will take a very quick break and be right back. Let's talk about your bucket list for a minute. That's right. Your bucket list. You know what should be on it? A trip to one of the greatest spectacles in all of motorsports. The Indy 500. This is not just any trip, but the ultimate Indy 500 fan experience. That's exactly what Amsoil, maker of some of the best synthetic motor oils on the planet, is giving away this spring. One grand prize winner will win the trip of a lifetime to the Indy 500 to watch some of the fastest cars and best drivers battle to have their names etched alongside the greats like Foyt, Andretti, Unser, and Castroneves. But that's not
1: all. Listen to what else awaits the grand prize winner. There's pit access, dinner with an Indy 500 legend, VIP track access. That's one of those badges that gets you in anywhere. Sweet access to watch the race, $1,000 cash for incidental travel and event-related expenses. You just get to to charge it. It's going to be great. Round-trip airfare for two of you to the Indy race, hotel accommodations for two with five nights at a hotel near the motor speedway. Even ground transportation to and from the airport, the hotel, and the speedway, plus chances to meet the drivers themselves. Just like they do when they make high-performance synthetic motor oils, Amsoil went the extra mile with this sweepstakes. If that's not enough, there's also 10 first-place winners, and they'll all receive one free digital download code for Monster Energy Supercross, the official video game. To enter the Amsoil Ultimate Indy 500 Fan Experience, text "Indy" I N D Y to 41487. That's Indy to 41487, or visit Amsoil.com/Indy. All
0: right, this is a 30-second commercial, and I'm going to throw a lot of numbers at you, but please stay with me.
1: In just 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. This company's been offering great rates and great service for over 75 years, and anytime you need help, you can speak to one of their trained specialists 24-7. The company, you guessed it, is GEICO. Go
0: to geico.com today.
1: Napa
0: Guys, we're back with Bradley and his wife in Buffalo, New York, who is writing from the Snow Capital. He's saying, He it is, is 20, 20 years old, just recently got married. Mm-hmm. Congratulations, Bradley, and hello, wife, because. We know you're listening to yeah. This is going to be a lot of fun. Well, this is this is kickstarting
1: adult life right here. Oh yeah, Bradley just decided to get married. They're going to have, they have a kid on the way. I mean, this is like stuff's getting really, real, really quick. Yeah, uh, Cars, this, is part of the we're, equation. We're shopping for, sure. for the new the new uh, family car slash fun car because he has a <clears throat> 2005 all wheel drive Pontiac vibe.
0: Yes, he is a Vibe owner.
1: That is staying mm-hmm. because the car they're getting rid of is the 2003 Buick Rendezvous. And if I remember correctly, wasn't that the one that was shilled by uh, Tiger Woods? Yes, it was. Yes, yeah. it was. Yeah, at the height of his Buick uh, shopping powers. Uh, yeah, Buick money collecting. So yeah, the, uh, the, the, the Buick is going away. The Vibe is staying. We have to replace the Buick. And herein lies the uh, the debate between he and his wife.
0: Bradley, you were so delicate about your description here, describing how you and your wife have very different views on what a good, fun daily driver during these non-winter seasons will be. So again, the vibe is staying. If I had a rendezvous, the vibe would stay as well. I agree. I agree Of those two. Yes. (laughs) So now they're trying to decide what to replace her rendezvous with. Mm -hmm. So they are making money now. They are buying their first car together. Mm -hmm. All right. So they already had their first cars, and then this is their first car together. She is actually, this is interesting, her most wanted vehicle, the most vehicle that she's looking at is the 2015 to 2018 Buick Encore.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Buick girl. Clearly. She is. Yes.
0: This is great. She loves the larger, more SUV-like, mini SUV-like kinds of vehicles. Of course, Bradley loves the hot hatches and sedans. Yes, he's really, really wanting a 2016 Hyundai Velocity Turbo R, but she does not want a manual. She refused to learn a manual. And um, she who must be obeyed, right? Happy wife, happy life.
1: She certainly needs to be taken into serious consideration. Yes. Yes,
0: she does. Mm-hmm. All right. So they want to reach a happy median. He's not really thrilled with the Buick Encore choice. So twelve to $20,000, which is actually a healthy budget. There's mm-hmm. a lot in this range, mm-hmm. which is good. The only thing on our wish list is automatic transmission, a mm-hmm. big trunk, And functional back seats for the forthcoming baby boy that they're going to have in May. So congratulations, Congratulations, guys. Wow, yeah.
1: No kidding. This is interesting. This relates to a conversation I had uh, like two weeks ago. Hmm. Uh, One of the places where I edit, there's a girl there that is mid-20s. She and her husband were doing doing this exact same thing. They're shopping for a new car for her. Mm -hmm. And she came in and we started talking about small SUVs. Okay. And she was shopping Ford Edge, and I said, Definitely drive the Ford Edge. But while you're at it, and I'm going to say this right here again while you're at it, I said, Go over to Mazda. Love it. And drive the CX 5 and the CX 3. Based on the scale of the Buick Encore, guys, Bradley and your wife both, go drive the CX 3.
0: That's so funny. My head's in the exact same place. Really?
1: Because I've got two others, but if we're going to stay in that small SUV world, that's one that I think is a real contender.
0: Well, again, I mean, Bradley, it's going to be hard to find a car that's going to really light your candle and do all the fun stuff that you want it to do, like a Hyundai Veloster Turbo R will do.
1: Which is what he'd like, for sure. Which yeah. is what
0: you want, but, you know, and still kind of meet the needs, especially for the beginning family and. I'd almost say, since you're so young, you've got so much time to go enjoy those kinds of cars a little bit later, and I would very much err towards the side of your wife and, and the needs of your family. Mm-hmm. I'm being very practical. I don't know where this came from.
1: I'm a little scared right now, I know actually.
0: you're probably asking, where's Paul?
1: Because I have, I have the more hot, hot crazy choices still coming, <laughs> but if we're going to shop small SUV and we're really going to shop there, I think the CX-5's got to at least be driven Absolutely. I'm sorry, not CX5, CX3, 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 the smaller one.
0: I mean, brand new ones, you can get them for about 130 bucks a month. Well, but here's the crazy thing: That's the, great. this
1: girl that I was advising on it. Yeah. I, I guess I have to call her a girl. She she's a woman. She's a woman. She's married. She has a husband. Okay. She, they're like mid 20s. Okay. Uh she wanted to shop under 20 grand. I told her. CX3 new is going to be right about that ballpark. She found a six-month-old one, bought it from a dealer on their used lot for sixteen grand. You're kidding? Six me. Six months old? What's wrong with it? Nothing. I've seen it. It's gorgeous. Really? So yeah, th- you're, they're out there in this budget, and if they're not new, they're close. I was going to
0: say that sixteen and seventeen models, you can get them for twenty thousand dollars. Are going to be real nice ones with very low miles. Yeah. You go sixteen to eighteen, you've got your choice. I love the CX3. It's got great size. You'll be surprised at those back seats. I kind of was thinking around because you know Jaguar builds an Encore too. It's just called the E-Pace. Same <laughs> size, but the budget is yeah. nowhere near. We're not yours in that is. budget for sure. Yeah, but yeah, I was just thinking about that, and then I thought, you know, you know, Focus STs, and my mind started to drift and drift over to hatches and that kind of thing. But I thought, you know what, I'm I would love to get something very sporty and hot, but if she's enjoying it less and thinking about, oh, I've got this hot car to deal with that kind of thing I don't know that that's going to be the best recipe for success so I love the CX-3 maybe not maybe you're not.
1: surprisingly mature this evening I am surprisingly really? mature. I, I, I'm not I worked I'll, on my I'll, maturity. St- I'll st- still bring the stupid uh, <laughs> I have two I have two that I think can work All right. leave the SUV world do you have any others in your
0: I was really leaning towards the all Mazda podcast that's really wow, what okay. I was trying to no it's I, I love the CX-3 like mm-hmm. I said I, I drifted over towards hatches I mean Everybody in Europe does family and Absolutely. kids with tiny Absolutely. wagons and why not yeah. hatches? Of why course. not us? Of why course, do we yeah. need Suburbans again? Yeah, I, I
1: can't explain it. You who owns an expedition with I the actual know. wheelbase, yeah, i sort of I've walked into that. that one. You did. You walked into a whole room full of rakes there, but, but yeah, well you know,
0: tow vehicle, just, you know, Uh it's big and roomy. Apparently, we in the U.S. need to
1: tow bigger stuff. That's really what it comes down to. Because we have, you know, Utah to tow things across while getting to another lake. While Sundance Um, is in
0: town, I was actually thinking about firing that beast up and just driving around and hey, want to ride? All nine of you? Yeah, you you, you want to put
1: an (laughs) an Uber and Lyft light in the front and just go pick up hordes of people. Totally. What happens actually We're back back to Sundance ranting. What happens actually (laughs) is you can actually pick people up. I've heard of this happening many times before from Uber and Lyft drivers. At the Bottom of Main Street, and their ride is to go to the top of Main Street. How much can you charge? Who knows? If it's surge pricing, you can probably go nuts. That's what I'm thinking. But, but I mean, pick up this everybody. Is, this is the equivalent of two New York City blocks. That's how far we're talking about. Up a slight grade. Hey, I could pick up the street corner. Everybody's standing there. Yes, take them to everybody top, everybody of there freezing, top of Main Street. Top of Main Street. Thank you. Fine. Bye-bye. Hey. You don't want to wait on the, by the way, you don't want to wait on the free bus service that already does this. Yeah, I know. You call the lift, And I can anyway. actually
0: pay for the, refill my entire
1: 34-gallon tank. Oh, you're going to have to take a lot of trips, but theoretically. I know. So I did go, I, I did chase this a little bit for you, Bradley, because you want to have something that's fun to drive, but it has to be auto, and your wife is leaning toward SUVs. Mm-hmm. I looked at your budget, and I thought, all right, where can I join these worlds? Okay. All right. I'm going to step away from the small SUV for a minute. I'm going to go two different directions.
0: Brown Mercedes wagon from the 70s? No. Oh.
1: No, but not bad, but no. You, the two of you need to go drive a GTI with the DSG. Yeah. Because- it's hatchy. The interior it is, it's 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 hatchy and handy. Yes, both. it is handy, too. It's the entire 70s cop show. Uh, but <laughs> we're just gonna start saying 70s cop show. And every, all of you that have followed along <laughs> and I know what we're talking about, it, those of you that totally. have just joined the podcast could be like, These guys are insane, totally had yep. a stroke in the middle of the podcast. <laughs> anyway, um, no, but here's the thing about the GTI it isn't an SUV, but it almost has that uh hip point that, that where you're sitting in the car, you're sitting fairly upright. It's got a great greenhouse on it. Yeah. Huh? What are you yeah. gonna lose? Two or three inches maybe as oh, far I love as you're... That you're using car design terms I know. now. Hey, don't it's look, look, worked. My look secret out. Plan look is out, I'll, throw, I'll tumble home in a minute and I'll hurt myself. If you say jounce at some point I'm gonna yeah. fall out of my chair. By the way, if those of you are wondering what that's about, a stanced car has no jounce. <laughs> Moving on. Um, so the GTI though, here's the thing maybe two or three inches lower for your eye line than you would be in those small SUVs. Mm-hmm. I mean very close to the same. Yep. And for you, Bradley, it's going to be genuinely fun to drive. The DSG solves the automatic problem. Without being an automatic, you still got paddles if you want to hoon it. The uh, car's got a surprising amount of space. Please go drive a GTI, because I think it blends the world into hot hatches without going hardcore. Yeah, you could actually get a GTI. You don't even have to go golf. You could go GTI and get the power. absolutely.
0: And if you want to just drive it fine, you know, regular Without really getting into it, mm-hmm. it 'll be
1: great, but mm-hmm. if you want to you know really get after it, yeah that'll work so i I have to say the gti 's got to yeah. be on your drive list, and then i 'm going to say this this is kind of wild card territory, but I thought SUV fun to drive automatic in this budget, I have to say it, you could get a cayenne this is what I did hmm. you can now get now don 't buy before an 8 you 're going to find i guarantee hmm. you you 're going to find a hundred and fifty thousand i 'm predicting it right now you 're going to find one hundred and fifty thousand mile. 06 Cayenne turbo for 15 grand and run then away. you're going to promptly close your computer and run away. Yeah. Because don't get before the 08. You want to get the .2, the second half of gen 1. But my wife and I we have a long-term video coming up uh, soon. My wife and I just rolled over 100,000 miles on ours. We've put almost 40,000 miles on that truck.
0: Yeah. We just it's had pretty it awesome.
1: serv- We just had it serviced. This was fascinating. We just had it serviced. It was, the, it was the mid-grade service, the once-a-year oil change thing, right? Before that, we had a brand-new GMC Acadia. Before that, we had a much-used – we put almost 200,000 miles on a GMC Yukon. Mm-hmm. We've had Jeeps. We've had all kinds of things. I told my wife what the oil change ran, what the cost of it was. She texted me back about a half hour later and said, Do you realize this is the cheapest car we've ever owned? Okay. Now, I'm not saying every Cayenne ever is going to be the most reliable car ever, but the, this Cayenne has needed nothing but regular maintenance. So ah, I, I like what your thinking is. I, I'm gonna,
0: I'm not gonna back your play
1: on this. Wow, you're not backing the Porsche. That's interesting. Okay, here is why. Okay,
0: it's because they're 20 years old, and the insurance cost when their insurance agent sees Fair. Porsche, he's gonna. Just do backflips down the hallway because his boat payment for the month is done.
1: You may be right. The only- I'm
0: I'm not gonna go there. And I I like what you're thinking. Mm-hmm. Yes, you can get them. But if you're gonna get a Cayenne, you bought yours for more than twenty grand,
1: though. I bought mine for. But here's the thing: I bought mine for twenty seven three years ago. Yeah, but it's not a twenty thousand dollar Cayenne. And I, an '08, an '08 could be now. That's the thing: an '08 to twenty ten with the <sighs> new ones coming out. It's going to be the upper end of your budget. I, I will not apologize for that. It will be the only reason your insurance point I didn't think about, and you're right. Insurance only and maintenance reason is my second point. It might get you might get away with it is because you're married with a kid on the way. That does change the insurance perception somewhat. Only after you're 25 is my understanding. No, it, no. the thing is I did double duty. I, I got married and turned 25 the same year and my insurance plummeted. Yes. Both are factors. Yeah, that's factors. what I'm saying. But He's 20. You're right. It may not be an issue. But and then budgeting I, I take for maintenance when they're that is stretching problem. to
0: get into a $20,000 Cayenne.
1: That may take it right off the table. I love the Porsche. I hear you. I'm
0: saying no. I I see your wild card. I I applaud you. I applaud you. The threads. Mm -hmm. And I like what you're thinking and trying to extract. But imagine that up against a super reliable Japanese. It's just going to run. It's
1: newer. No. If they they buy the six month old CX three and the 08 Cayenne, the Cayenne going to cost more money. It just will because the CX three has got a warranty. Yeah. There's nothing to think about. I, I fully admit that you're absolutely right. I'm just going into wild card territory, trying to get Bradley something it's, fun it's to drive. It's fun to, you know, do. Yeah. You know. So drive these. The wild See, where See where play. you land. See I, where I, you land. And this, honestly, we should put a little some sort of asterisk on the podcast title because it's the first time ever I've recommended a Porsche and you've said, please don't. Yeah. As that a is fact. a I honestly almost need a moment of silence because that's <laughs> quite shocking. This is
0: not the I there's no precedent here everyone. This is you've this been, is not the death knell for anything. You've been mature
1: and you're growing so much to not recommend a Porsche. This I, is this is a milestone in I, podcast life right here. Maybe I need to go spray paint a tunnel or something and go be what? naughty.
0: I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so moving on to questions. <laughs> lots of them the tdc thing is now uh track mm-hmm. daily crush that is the slang and acronym
1: now you know it's got a shortened it's got a shortened version <laughs> yeah. just so yeah how it's how crazy um, it's gone
0: it's tdc although on instagram dr Dreidel has proposed a new version of track daily crush which is a car for first date <laughs> a car to drive your newborn home in and a car to be buried in our pick of cars for the inaugural edition of this i'm not sure what the acronym for that is yet but
1: frightening is what it is stay with
0: me Car for the first date is a car that you want to be able to sort of climb on. By that, I mean you want to sit on the hood and lean back against the windshield and watch the stars together.
1: Okay. That's not where I thought you went, but I'm with you. With you. Well, the size of it could be a good thing, too, but, you know,
0: bench seats, so I'm thinking like 1979 Chevy Suburban, okay? Wow. Okay. Car to drive a newborn home in, well, you want the most space around your newborn mm-hmm. to protect it with all the stuff that's going to come home with you from the hospital. So I'm going with Chevy Suburban.
1: <laughs> You've got two Suburbans so far. Are you being then, buried in um, a Suburban or are you just going to be an expedition just and to make it a car to be
0: buried in. I mean, you need, I hate to be morbid, but uh, something to fit your coffin in. So I'm going to go with Chevy Suburban. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> and um, thusly yep. is the inaugural edition of Chevy Suburbans for Everyone. That's the title yeah, of the podcast right there. Chevy Suburbans for Everyone. Pretty much. That's quite impressive and, and a little horrified, actually, <laughs> to be honest. I, I, I'm I not sure how I feel about that. I'm not even going to answer that. I'm just going to let that one lay there. I am going to make a little rant about the baby thing. I know that's not the first thing to say, the first person to say this, but here's the weird thing about taking your newborn home from the hospital. Okay. From the moment you arrive for the birth mm-hmm. to the moment you leave the hospital, you are surrounded by people who all they do all day for their job is deal with newborns.
0: Yeah. Every fair, newborn fair. issue, sure. every
1: newborn problem, there's extra security, there's little armbands, there's people. You, you if you stand dazed in a hallway for 30 <laughs> seconds anywhere near labor and delivery, someone will come find you and sit <laughs> you down and help you. All right. Because they're used to people that are overwhelmed. There's a NICU, there's there's just there's people and they know what they're doing. Okay. And so for the whole time you're in the hospital, you're defended. Sure. What could possibly go wrong? Sure. And they wheel your wife out to the curb. <laughs> by the way, just for insurance reasons now, we've reached a place where you cannot leave a hospital without having a wheelchair. Have you noticed this? That's a side note. But yes, anyway, so they, yes. so they wheel your wife to the curb, and you have the little bassinet with your baby in it, and you get to your car, and... <laughs> You've ne- honestly in that moment you will never feel more alone on planet Earth than in that moment, because those people vanish with like the little little clouds of, of dust trail like you see it. They're um, on to the next in a cartoon. Yeah, they take the wheelchair with them, and it's you and your wife standing there with a baby by your car, going, "Where'd everybody go?" <laughs> and then it then it becomes very real. So that's where the car to take your newborn home is a big thing. Because by the way, no one's helping you anymore. Best of luck. Sticking with suburban, it's nice. It's I like that. Perfect for everything. You know, right up until the day you die, I guess. <laughs> That's so terrible. <laughs> uh, Joe wrote in on Facebook with a good question. He and his wife, his wife is actually, Ania is, is a new driver, and they live in Colorado. Mm, yeah. So since she's just started driving, and of course, obviously, like we do, they get a lot of snow. He's going, how do we, how do we get Ania up to speed with driving in the snow? Yeah. And understanding yeah. how, what happens if the car goes out of control and sliding, all that kind of stuff. The best version, we already brought it up, is the skid car. If you can go take a lesson in a skid car, that's perfect. But I'm going to give you the low-rent version okay. that you need to do. Okay. Take the cars you own that Aenea is going to drive to a snowy parking lot right after it snowed, a big, flat, snowy parking lot, and get them out of control on purpose. Mm, I'm good please please don't get me wrong Joe I'm not saying feel what that feels like absolutely I'm not saying come into the parking lot at 60 miles an hour and do something stupid I'm saying drive in first gear (laughs) hold my beer exactly we're not we're not trying it's not this is not a show-off thing and your wife's gonna think it is and I'm saying to you I'm not talking about it show-off perspective when when we first got to Utah we still had our Acadia yeah yeah now was an all-wheel drive Acadia but when we got our first big snow I'd never driven it in the snow so I took it to a parking lot and I did stupid things that I wouldn't do on the road. Like I'm driving along 10 miles an hour, and I just cranked the wheel as hard as I could. I want to know what it did. What's the natural t- – by the way, understeer is the the unbelievable answer to that question. <laughs> but what, what, is, what is the natural tendency of the cars you own? So take her to a parking lot and have her experience those things. Go in a straight line and slam on the brakes. Go in a straight line and crank the wheel. C- crank the wheel and then hit the gas just to see how the car responds so that she understands this is what it's going to do. This is how it's going to feel. mm mm-hmm. From there, if you want to get like advanced lessons now, try to figure out how to solve those problems. But th- I'm not even talking about that. The The main thing I want to do is in a situation where there's nothing to hit, go out and do the emergency kind of maneuvers you would do on a snowy road just so you can feel what the car does when you do that.
0: Yeah, that's excellent advice, actually, to and then recreate for advanced lessons. Let's... Do that same feeling. We're out of control, and then what does it feel like to get back in control? How do we get it? Yeah. What do we do? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a lot of what pilots go through. My dad did that when he was sure. flying, you know. Sure, it's, sure. You know, fly, you know, stall the engine, hammerheads, the whole thing. Let's feel those sensations. Stall and lessons then what do
1: you do? were my absolute favorite.
0: Oh. Stall no, lessons thank were my you. absolute favorite when no. I was flying. The short oh. of period
1: of time I flew. Little Cessna 152, that no. moment when it just stops flying and tips over on its tail and points you at the ground when the engine starts to catch up is simultaneously one of the most amazing and horrifying moments of your life. <laughs> and I was doing it at 16, too, which is just like, mm, okay, yeah. See, the prop
0: is just a big fan that keeps the pilot cool. It is if the that fan shuts off, you can see the pilot moment. sweat.
1: You're right. That's very good.
0: <laughs> Push the stick forward. The houses get bigger. Pull the stick back, the houses get smaller. Unless you keep pulling back, and then the houses get bigger again. Yeah,
1: it's all bad. Very my nice. my favorite joke ever. Those, those are very good pilot jokes. I like that.
0: All right. Dan G on Facebook has asked about the best Porsche forum. He says, the disease has struck him in the early <laughs> phases of car searching. Dan, you're screwed, buddy. Maturity sucks. It's all bad from here on. you <laughs> anyway. got mature tonight. You're not buying Porsches for the first time ever. I know. Well, yes. I, I Like I said, maturity, not fun. Anyway, so my Porsche proclivities have rubbed off on him. As he's been listening and watching often, thank you for listening, Dan. He's saying, what is the best Porsche forum? He'd like to join one to learn more about and also potentially shop for various cars, as one does when you join a forum and troll around, (laughs) spend all your time, and eventually get fired. I have
1: lurked on many, many, many forums. Yeah.
0: I will say, Dan, you have been warned. The website is renlist.com. R-E-N-N-L-I-S-T com you've been warned I'm sorry <laughs> start there it's, it's the and beginning it's, and the
1: end for you the yeah.
0: classifieds are an especially deep dark hole of what if oh you're selling that yeah for th- I could I could do that what could I sell what's in my account? Bag- uh, what what kind of line of credit yeah, do I have right now?
1: It's frightening. I hear you. It's, yeah. it's off the uh, off
0: the cliff. So anyway, Dan, Renlist.com is the best place to start. And then I'm sure there's various uh, other ones. If you've got a good one, actually write to us. Mm. I'd be very curious to hear. But For Renlist sure. is
1: huge. Yes, it is. It's a monster. So uh, yeah, let's start well with
0: known. that one and then uh, let me know how it goes. <laughs> we
1: <laughs> we won't know come how rescue how it goes. you. Hector wrote in on Facebook. I want to answer this real quick. He saw the City Driving episode and he asked, oh yeah, why the Honda Civic and not the SI? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Now, This can be argued on almost every episode we shoot. You can say, why not this car? Why not this variant? And many times those arguments are very sound. Let us tell you our thinking here. Because your argument is the Civic Si would have cost about the same as the Mazda 3. Mm -hmm. I see that. But in the Civic lineup, the Si is above what the Mazda 3 is trying to compete with. The Si is trying to compete with the GTIs of the world, not the Golf. The SI is the level above it in performance with other competitors to work with. We'd have to bring a Focus ST and a GTI and different cars that are genuinely hot hatches now. We're looking for the ones below that hot hatch level, which means the standard Civic. It just happens to be wildly cheaper than the other two. Mm -hmm. But as far as, like, if you look at the stat sheets and that kind of thing, it was the right competitor for that class of vehicle. It just happened to be the cheap one.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and uh, you know a lot of folks have written in asking, you know, why these choices. And believe me, they're very carefully curated. They're very carefully thought through. (laughs) We try. Yeah, yeah. All right, Ariopolis on Instagram is asking about police cars. He says police cars seem to have some sort of mythic properties. See a Blues Brothers. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing it was on TV the other night or something. (laughs) You recently saw that
1: or Animal House or something? Cable late at night. There it is.
0: Is that any interest (laughs) or possibly reviewing any police vehicles? Yes, it would be interesting, but here's the deal with cop cars. <laughs> Municipalities don't generally like their cop cars to be driven by anybody else other than authorized law enforcement Fair. officers Fair. for many reasons, including they just don't know. They don't want us to know what's under the hood. They don't want us to know what they've got from a tech standpoint or, you know, power or any of that it's none of our business, right? That's a fair point. That's got so if that, yeah. we're over here reviewing cop cars and kind of joy riding around <laughs> in a government vehicle when it's, you know, we're using their gas and their time. I don't see a problem. I, this is, all, this is right. all good news.
1: See, I'm in this, why am I in this, like, mature you, I'm telling you. I don't know thing. what kind of day you right. had, but I'm a I'm a kid and you are not tonight. No yeah. kidding. All right. Well done. Well, okay. Uh, I see it. I'll have to fix that.
0: But anyway, I'm just saying from an insurance perspective and, you know, say the city council sees, you know, their... <clears throat> sheriff car on TV for some reason and yeah that that wouldn't fly <laughs> it's not it's not, it's not, it's not, so it's, not, it's, not, it's, not it's not going to be yeah. hard to convince um, city council of you know this was a good idea
1: you know what I, what really? I would like to do oh, though really? I want to get on the training grounds where they teach them to drive that'd be excellent that and that's an me. entirely a different, different, a different story car. though
0: but just getting in a cop car yeah, I see that. around town I see that, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: and hitting the lights and screwing around with yeah, people because, is because less I look, than cool. Because I look like a police officer. <laughs> I'm going to walk into the window and they're going to be like, really? <laughs> really, you? Because I don't think so. I also think yeah. it's a felony, so there is well, that. Well, there is that. But, but, but <laughs> No, but he didn't say steal a cop car and review it. He didn't if say we're going to do it, one. it, let's like <laughs> – Let's turn it into Fast and Furious Ted while it's, we're at it. I mean, brilliant television. Do you not agree? This is great reality TV. It's fantastic reality TV until we get arrested. That show's already on, by the way. <laughs> it's called Cops. Anyway. Um, we don't need to replicate that. Yeah. On Instagram, Azimanti wrote in and said he just bought a brand new Ford Mustang EcoBoost. Shortly thereafter, he discovered us. Now he's wondering if he shouldn't have bought that car. First off... There's no reason to have not bought that car if you like it. Totally. The secondary part of this is he's now having some buyer's remorse because he's reading online hate from GT50 owners. I'm just going to back up for a second and start over. There's nothing wrong with the Ford Mustang EcoBoost. You bought that car. You like it. Enjoy it. There's no reason for you to apologize for owning that car. Both of us genuinely liked it. Yeah, Yeah. Now, I am not a guy. I will admit, if you watch our pieces where the EcoBoost is in there, I'm not a guy that gravitates toward Mustangs generally. So just take that and take that into consideration here. But if you watch that piece that we've got, the EcoBoost Mustang, it was part of season one for Velocity. Yeah. The EcoBoost Mustang, the Fiesta ST, the 86, and the WRX, okay? There's not a bad car in that group. That's why we called it the greatest hits episode.
0: And it's also, when you when you look at our commentary Keep in mind, we're slicing the onion very thinly. Oh, yeah. When we say, I like this one better than that because of the reason, that doesn't
1: mean this is a bad car. We wouldn't take it or wouldn't drive it for well, any reason. Well, in some cases, we wouldn't take it and drive it. But in that episode, the episode's yes, called The Greatest True. Hits because those are all cars yeah. where, like, if anybody comes up to us and says, I bought one of those four, we go, congratulations, awesome car. Hey, can I drive it? Yeah. we I mean, no that's of it. So there is a, a longstanding – Hate's not the right word. Bias. I'm going to go with bias. Okay. All muscle cars must be V8s. And there is a segment of owners of muscle cars that look down their nose at anybody that does not have a V8 car and will hate on them. Yeah. That doesn't make them right. Right. There, Look, the the V8 in the current Mustang is great. It's got a ton of power for the money. It feels really good. It's a good car to drive. I like it. It doesn't make the EcoBoost no fun. The EcoBoost has got a lighter front end, so slightly different handling feel. And you can tune it if you're into that. I mean, it, it opens up the hot hatch tuning world to guys that like muscle cars, which is an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. So I like it in that regard, too. So the, and the last thing I'm going to say to the people that say uh, Mustangs must have V8s, remember the SVO? In the yes. 80s, the s b o was as powerful or in some cases more powerful than the bigger engine cars because it was the random four cylinder turbo yeah, yeah, that's, and that was funny. at a time in the eighties when you really didn't want anything but a v eight in your in your mustang, and my dad had the equivalent v eight mustang and it was a terrible car <laughs> it was a terrible car, it was a fox body but uh, and the s b o was actually kind of cool, so I'm hoping to encourage you here, don't have buyer's remorse, enjoy your car. If you get to a place where you outgrow it, then we're here. As us as a car debate, we'll find you another one.
0: <laughs> exactly. And you saw Rayden's garage. He's a friend of the show. He was talking about the front end of it being heavier with the V8. Mm-hmm. You can always come back to different handling feel in the car you own because of just by virtue of weight balance. I mean, you're getting a heavier engine with a V8. So let's talk about handling. Let's talk about Nimbleness and feel, and all those things that we look for, too, that have transformed the characteristics of your muscle car mm-hmm. into something that is actually dynamically better. You can tune the daylights out of it and actually be quicker than some of these V8s, use less fuel, on and on and on. It's not a bad choice. I mean-
1: the Mustang lineup right now, Camaro lineup's actually similar. The Mustang lineup is kind of a, which one's for you? It's not a, well, mm-hmm. don't buy that one. It's yeah. just kind of, which one do you like? Yeah, yeah. exactly.
0: Uh, interesting question. We were just talking about Buicks. It was the uh, Buick GNX podcast last time. Holt Nico was asking about yeah. our thoughts on reviving the Buick GNX line. And he said, yeah, it was brought up last episode. He said, the House of Muscle just published their piece and because the Chevy SS didn't sell well enough to keep that model alive, does Buick need something hot? Interesting. I mean, Cadillac has their V-Series, and if mm-hmm. you want the hotness, you, you gravitate towards Cadillac. Mm-hmm. I feel like it would very much be the cannibalism of Camaro versus Corvette if Buick and Cadillac are now kind of outdoing them each other in horsepower wars sure. and that kind of stuff. Maybe, maybe. It could maybe a special model in the future if something comes up. You could GNX it,
1: but I like otherwise, like it's a verb now. Well done, yeah, yeah. You could, but but hang on, hang GNX on. GNX that. I think exactly perfect. I don't well, know why it's it's going to Lexify and GNX. I don't that, know why that's it's on why it's that's on your second album anyway. The, You're go ahead, the, GNX that. <clears> here's here's the thing. Here's the thing. The current Regal, you know, that we just finished with the Regal GS, which was pretty hot and awesome. The it last was. version of that, you know, they have got the new Regal coming out in sportback. The name and that kind of Regal
0: thing. doesn't go along with. Hey, this, this is, is sporty and awesome, I you. I can autocross this. But the
1: Regal became the Grand National. So, so, so the yeah. pedigree exists. Yeah. But the fact that you brought up the SS here in your question talks to the larger problem. I don't know where the market is for that car. I don't know where the market is for Buick sells you a hot rear-wheel drive sedan. Who's buying that? Because nobody bought the SS. And Cadillac, for as good as their stuff is dynamically right now and as crazy powerful as the V-Series lineup you bring up, those cars don't sell well either. For whatever reason, that market's not out there and we as enthusiasts go, Oh, please make it, we'll buy it. But we aren't buying it. We're waiting for it to, we're waiting to be the second owner. And I'm yeah, look, right, I'm right. the mayor of this. <laughs> I said please bring a rear wheel drive thing like the eighty six, but I bought a used one. Yeah, okay. Fine. So somebody's got to go buy the new one, and if they don't, then those cars don't exist.
0: Reese is asking us on Instagram if we could build an overland rally style vehicle, what would you use as the base vehicle? Well, the 9-11 Safari, Dale's calling that out, which is pretty cool. I'm very intrigued. As a matter of fact, in Christopher's Magazine, there's a guy who builds
1: these, and I really, really wanted one. Is it Lee Keen, or is it somebody else? uh, I forget who it was. Because Lee's making killer ones. Is he? It might have been him. uh, Patrick Patrick Long's getting into it, too. Is he? It's, it's like the new. Thing. Thing. It's like the new thing to get into yeah. is building your rally nine eleven. You know, Matt Farah's got Lee Keen building his. Yeah, craziness. Yeah, it
0: was some guy in Germany, I think. Okay, I'll have to go look it up. But anyway, I was thinking like Audi R eight or something that's a oh. mid engine sports car.
1: You're gonna make that a rally and car, rallying the daylights out of it. Could be mm. cool. I think that would okay. be really interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about it now. That's interesting. I'm actually tempted right. to go do renderings of it with all my free time. With all your free time, yes, anyway. yes. Since all of us are sitting around doing nothing, yeah, that'd be that'd be great. I fun. like the 911 thing though too. Yeah, <sighs> but the 911 thing has the pedigree for it. It does. You know, you can definitely see that. It does. Maybe I'll just go buy a used 959 and gut it. What do you think? Sure. Again, with all your extra money. Your extra time and money is going to go into that project. That's going to be perfect. What could possibly go wrong? Yikes. Uh, Damn it, Patton. I love that. I love that on IG. Damn it, Patton wrote in and said, What about budget friendly helmets for track days?
0: Yeah, great question. Um,
1: now, um, our great friend Mystic Negro wrote in and said, A lot of track days, you can rent them for cheap. And he's right. You can absolutely, most time, you can rent them for like 15, 25 bucks, something like that. Yep. You can do that. If you're going to start doing a lot, I do recommend getting your own helmet. Uh, you can shop all over the place. But we, we recently kitted ourselves out head to toe, including Nomex, for lemons. And we were yeah. sent to that company, Pyrotech. Yeah, Pyrotech. And I was very surprised because, look, there's a lot of really great helmet makers out there. And you can spend hundreds and hundreds or even many, many thousands on nice helmets. But you don't need to do that. Go to Pyrotech. This is not an ad. It's just we were both very impressed when we went there and kitted ourselves out for lemons how good the gear was and how, ex- how inexpensive it was. So you can get – we got a full-face helmet. They also have open-faced helmets. We kind of prefer open-faced helmets for shooting because we, we want you to be able to see our face when we're talking to camera. But we do have two pieces on track this season in our closed-face helmets from Pyrotech because on lemons it required it. So we do have closed-face as well. Shop for what you like, and I think you can get a really good deal going through them.
0: Last question for me. You noticed we've uh, not done too many TDC questions. Notice we've got that. to get
1: to those a lot. There's so yeah, many there's a now. Ton. It could almost be a half the podcast thing. Yeah, it's frightening. That
0: it could. Yeah. SCLA Fan 86 is asking us what we think of the new design trend where the bottom edge of the windows, so that would be the belt line or the shoulder line, yeah. is a sweeping curve rather than a straight line. Mercedes CLA is his example. He says, to my eye, it looks like the car is melting in the sun. Well, <laughs> have you seen the Chris Bangle BMW design era? And the, if, you, if you're looking at that, look at the Z4. Mm-hmm. I mean, talk about and look at the lower rocker. Now, in a sketch form, it looks really amazing, but there's reasons why a lot of lines on cars must, if, if they do that, they need to end up resolving towards the rear. They can, they can do some kind of dip, but it needs to do something early on towards the front of the car to define a shape and then rise towards the rear, in my opinion. If you don't, It can look droopy. Even on 911s, if you look at 911s from the side view, they're not droopy until you get to the rear where it curves back Mm. over the engine. Mm. It's still very straight and actually a
1: little bit raised. 911s, now more
0: droopy. (laughs) Well, they kind of are, and less so with subsequent model years, but... You could you could argue that, but that's not till the rear end of the car where mm. you're finishing off the form and sure. tapering. Well, that's always the, the hard rear. part.
1: It's not the fun lines, it's the finishing the fun lines where it gets yes. really, really difficult.
0: Yes, that's why you want to see those lines resolve. Some cars do it better than others, but yeah, look at the Chris air. I don't think this flame surfacing was very successful, especially on the seven series. And they had a lot of problems with the those uh seven series trunk lids
1: mm-hmm.
0: with I mean, look at that from a stamping perspective. It was it's like stamping a sink.
1: It's It's really complex. It's really complex. And they had a
0: lot of tearing right at that corner on those 7 Series and had a lot of rejected parts because just the design alone. So that's that's a good designer that can put together a pleasing design. It can still be made easily, stamped easily, all those kinds of things.
1: I don't think it was very successful. Speaking of flame surfacing, and and we'll post a picture of this so that you know what we're talking about or you can look it up yourself. Have we all seen the new Honda Odyssey? And I bring this up because flame surfacing has come to minivans. Oh yes, and I'm a, look. The Odyssey's a great minivan, but flame surfacing on a minivan really must we? Anyway, so that's happened. Yes, um, that's disappointing.
0: It's it's better than a lot of those BMWs. I will give it that.
1: But uh, that's a low bar. Well, that's a really low bar. making minivans you fall, interesting. You fall over that bar. Uh, he actually <laughs> asked a question of that question of you, and he asked another question of me. Uh, uh, sclafan fan eighty six. Why do cars always oversteer in chase scenes, even if they are front-wheel <laughs> this drive? This funny. relates to the, the, where we started tonight with the skid car. It relates to driving in the snow. It totally. Relates to all Here's the answer. Understeer's not sexy. That's the T-shirt from tonight. Understeer's <laughs> not sexy. That's Because great. understeer is just a car with the wheels turned not making the corner. It just, look, there's a pole It slid into it. It's just, it's not interesting to look at. <laughs> and usually the noise those tires are making at that it's, point it's, is not fun. And the tires are it probably curled completely yeah. under while the nose of the car dives. Nobody's ever liked the look of that in slow-mo. Slow that down, <laughs> and you just want it to stop. So, But the thing is, what you're also bringing up is they always oversteer, even if it's a front-wheel-drive-based car. And I'm (laughs) going to call out a a movie where they did this recently, Baby Driver. Oh, sure. The opening scene of Baby Driver has this great, fantastic chase scene with a WRX. What they did is they built multiple versions of that car. And one of them is a rear-wheel-drive WRX (laughs) just so they can have some drift scenes. It's awesome. Because that just looks better. Here's a car that anybody that knows a, a vague about cars. No, that's an all-wheel drive car, and yet there it is drifting around corners because drifting looks sexy. (laughs) Understeer isn't sexy. That's tonight's t-shirt. I am making a note. There it is. I love it. Wow, guys. Thank you so
0: much for listening. We really, really appreciate all your support and listenership and viewership. Don't forget tomorrow, episode four on Velocity Channel. That is Saturday, January 27th, 2018, 7.30 a.m. Eastern, Again, thanks for our sponsors Covercraft Griots and Auto Tempest for that. And uh we are starting to think about shooting for season 3.
1: We're more than thinking about it. We're putting things on the calendar Yikes. and booking cars. It's a frightening scenario. I I better finish editing season 2 while I'm at it. That'd be good. Yeah. <laughs>
0: All right, so just keep in mind maturity sucks and uh, looking forward to next time, everyone.
1: Cheers. You could try to protect yourself with a bathroom full of plastic balls, or you could get liability coverage through the GEICO Insurance Agency. Visit GEICO.com and see how affordable renter's insurance can be.
2: I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. Federal government worker Blake Murray in D.C. says he's pretty much had it with the partial government shutdown. It's
1: pretty demoralizing, um, you know, and I feel like...